Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hey, everyone. Welcome to session 189 of Selling the Couch. By the way, I sort of randomly scripted that at the beginning because today's podcast session is all about perfectionism and perfectionism in private practice and how perfectionism impacts us. I feel like this is a topic that I was very excited to have a conversation with. My guest is Sharon Martin. Sharon is a licensed clinical social worker. Her website is over at livewellwithsharonmartin.com. And Sharon was actually a guest back in August 20th of 2015 on Selling the Couch, where she actually talked about blogging and blogging for private practice. But Sharon actually wrote a recent book called The CBT Workbook of Perfectionism. And I had reached out to Sharon. I was like, man, we have not talked about perfectionism in private practice, and we should totally do that. So here is our podcast session. This is one of those sessions that I really just hope resonates for you and and really touches you sort of at your core as someone who struggles with perfectionism on a day-to-day basis. I feel like moment-to-moment basis. This conversation was, I think, just helpful for me, and I hope it is for you. So we talk about how Sharon defines perfectionism and why she thinks so many of us that are in in our field who are also business owners struggle with perfectionism. And then some of the overt and covert ways that perfectionism shows up. And then Sharon wraps it up with a couple of different tips and strategies in order to work through and become more aware of the perfectionism that is uh, that is within us. Hey everyone, it's Melvin. Before we get to today's podcast session, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Wellers for supporting today's podcast session. So Wellers is a brand new podcast sponsor and their concept is pretty amazing. So the basic idea is that if you are, if you are, if you have office space to rent and it's not being utilized at all at certain hours of the day, then you can actually rent out your office space by the hour to trusted people. And if you are looking for office space, but you don't want to be confined to a particular day, Wellers is a great opportunity because what they allow you to do is book an hour here or an hour there, depending on your schedule. I'll definitely tell you guys more about Wellers here in the coming days, but To learn more about Wellers and the awesome services that they provide, you can check out sellingthecouch.com forward slash Wellers. 
And if you go through that link, you get one hour free credit to book anywhere. So you can just check it out and see how it works. And Wellers is spelled W-E-L-L-E-R-Z. So we'll get right to today's podcast discussion. Here's my conversation with Sharon Martin from LiveWellWithSharonMartin.com. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to Selling the Couch, or welcome back to Selling the Couch. <laughs> Thanks, Melvin. Great to be here. I I was uh, telling you this like right before we got started, but the last time you came on was session 37. This feels like dinosaur ages ago, August 20th of 2015. Gosh, that was the year I started this podcast. That's crazy. Yes, I know. Such a long time ago. In that episode, you talked about, we called it the expert guide to private practice blogging, and you shared a bunch of cool stuff I'm very grateful for. Oh, thank you. Well, that's, yeah, in some ways, maybe this is a little bit full circle on the blogging. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. So we are talking about a topic that I feel like a lot of clinicians struggle with, which is perfectionism. And so it's an interesting combo when you have clinicians that are high achievers that maybe struggle with perfectionism that are starting trying to start or grow a business. And so I'm I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. I was actually as I was preparing, I was, you know, actually finding it quite interesting myself sort of thinking about these issues in particular in terms of private practice clinicians and entrepreneurs and you know, from that angle it is a little bit of an of an interesting little niche piece of the perfectionism because obviously, you know, all kinds of people struggle with perfectionism, but I do think there are particular some particular struggles that we have as as private practice owners around it too. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to start really broad, which is how do you define perfectionism? Yeah, there's a few different components to it. You know, I think one is having not just really high standards but unrealistically high standards. So like we often make the distinction between excellence, which is a good thing. It's great to have, you know, strive for things to be really well done, but we run into problems when we sort of cross that line over to wanting things to be so good that they're either perfect or it's just simply such a high standard that it's unattainable. Right, because then we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment and frustration, a feeling of failure, and then I think ultimately being demotivated because we're not able to achieve the things that we wanted to. And then the second piece of it is the way that we look at our mistakes. So when we're in a perfectionist mindset, we tend to have this rigid way of thinking about things that all or nothing thinking that there's really one right way to do something or something is either a success or a failure, right? We've got that dichotomy going on. And then what happens is when we make a mistake or we notice an imperfection, a flaw or something, you know, that we feel like we've done wrong, then we feel like that is not only a defining part of who we are, but also we can't, we can't really see it in terms of, you know, the benefits of that, right? If we think about like a healthier way of looking at mistakes, we would look at something like a growth mindset, you know, that tells us that that mistake is helpful. It has benefits in terms of our personal growth or learning something. We all know, you know, of course, intellectually that everybody who is, you know, successful and has achieved great things has made mistakes along the way. So, of course, it's inevitable, but we can actually use those mistakes as, 
you know, these wonderful nuggets of information, these learning tools. And like I said, when we get into the perfectionist thinking, we we're just looking at those mistakes as bad. Like we don't want any mistakes. We wish we could avoid all mistakes instead of seeing them as part of the process, a necessary part, a human part, and actually a valuable part. And then One last piece I think I would say in terms of a definition of perfectionism is that perfectionists tend to see their self-worth as dependent on their achievements. So that puts us into this cycle of feeling like we're always needing to do more and be more and achieve more because that's what's going to make us feel good about ourselves, valuable, successful, you know, fill in the blank on, on some of those adjectives instead of feeling like, I know that I'm a worthwhile person. I know I'm a good clinician. I know I'm a good business owner, regardless of what the outcome on some of these particular goals or tasks might be. I think, you know, I think in terms of our clinical work, this, this can be a really, a really bad place for us to get into when we feel like our self-worth or our value as clinicians depends on the outcome with our clients that are, you know, if our clients do not achieve their goals or they drop out of treatment um, or whatever, they don't have the outcome that, that we all were hoping for, that somehow that means we are not good enough. Man, you're like speaking to the... She's like speaking like core to me with, especially with that. I mean, even with both of them, but especially that last one, which is, you know, like if I'm completely honest and this has been such a work in progress for me and I don't think I've like at all, like, you know, arrived or anything, but I do put a lot of my self-worth and achievements. And one of the hardest things that I have found painful is that these achievements, the, the good feeling of that doesn't last very long, you know, and, and before you know it, you're trying to chase that next thing in order to get that feeling back. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's that never enough feeling, Mm -hmm. which leads to, you know, overworking and burning yourself out because you're always wanting to do more and achieve more. And again, not from the healthy place of, you know, I'm interested in that, or I want to learn about that, but it's really more from that place of, I I have to, I feel compelled to, because if I don't, it's going to mean something negative about me. Yeah. I, I would imagine even that perspective, like it just, it makes things not necessarily enjoyable more. It's, it's more, I guess, the fear of losing versus like a curious exploration. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it comes from the fear. I would say that that's a a good way of looking at it is that that a lot of perfectionism is that fear-driven, anxiety-driven, you know, desire to, I, you know, and I I shouldn't say desire because it really is more of like, I feel like I have to, whether it's, you know, sort of compulsive at times or it feels like it's an obligation or like I said, that there's a sense that if I don't do it, something bad is going to happen, which is largely, you know, something bad in terms of the way people are going to view me or the way I'm going to view myself. I wanted to shift a little bit and, and talk about our field. Why do you think so many clinicians uh, who are business owners, especially like we struggle with perfectionism? Yeah, this is the part that was particularly interesting for me. I don't have any hard data to back this up. So I'll be interested to hear what you have to say, Melvin, because you talk to a lot of clinicians and and business owners, but I have a few theories about it. I think probably largely based on my own experience, (laughs) but I think part of it is that we, you know, when we create our own business, we're very invested in it. Obviously we want to succeed. And I think part of this is that we feel like the success of the business 
depends on us as individuals. It's all falling on me, which puts a lot of pressure on us as individuals to be able to do everything and and not just do everything, but do everything exceptionally well. Again, I think often there's that unrealistic expectation that we're going to be able to do every aspect of running our business and know you know, not just the clinical piece of it, but we're going to know the business and the accounting and the marketing, you know, and sometimes we don't even have any training or experience in that. And yet we, we go into it thinking, of course, you know, I have to excel at all of those aspects of it. Again, if I don't, my business is going to, is going to fail. So that's part of it. And then I think there's, there's something, you know, perhaps about us as clinicians that, I think a lot of clinicians tend to be people who are, you know, highly sensitive people or empathic people. And often we're really sensitive to criticism and rejection and we don't want to displease people. And I think sometimes we channel that into perfectionism as a way of kind of shielding ourselves from some of that. Mm. So that, you know, we, we use that perfectionism as a way of avoiding criticism or conflicts, right? That's the idea that if I can be so good and do everything so well, you know, nobody will be able to say anything negative about my work or my business. So, so there's that, you know, sort of using the perfectionism as a coping, you know, mechanism, if you will. And then the other thing that I was thinking about in terms of this is that, I think when we start our private practices, a lot of us are coming from, I don't know, maybe sort of being somewhat disillusioned from working in nonprofit agencies or through government organizations. And I think part of, you know, why we leave those jobs is that we we aren't really happy with the quality of services that we can provide there, or we don't like the way that they're being provided. And so we have a sense, a good sense that, you know, that we can do something different. We can do something better. We have a very clear idea, I think, of how we want to provide our clinical services. And, and I think sometimes this gets us into our own, our own rigidity about things, right? That we have this really high standard about what we want our business to look like. And then I think there's, there's often, again, that, that disappointment that it doesn't go exactly the way that we wanted it to go, or we can't achieve everything that we wanted to. We can't create the business um, the way we had it in our mind, right? which I think was a bit idealized probably to begin with. And again, we sort of had our, you know, we were off with our expectations in terms of what we could really do. And instead of just adjusting our expectations, I think that perfectionism part of us is is unhappy. It's disappointed. It's self-critical that we haven't created, you know, that that private practice that we had in our head or on our vision board, <laughs> that it, mm. the reality isn't really living up to what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean those are such great points. I never even like thought about in those ways. I was I think the one thing I I was also thinking about with especially with that third point, right? There is that certain rigidity about how we envision or practice will look and I think related to that, I think when there are feelings that come up that remind us of feelings that we had in with the previous employer, there's this tendency to avoid or push away those feelings and I wonder if the perfectionism sort of comes there as well. Yeah, I think in some ways, 
we sort of recreate the the same problems Mm. in a different way. And again, I'm just really sort of thinking about my own experience, but I remember, you know, years back when I worked in nonprofit organizations, you know, part of what I didn't like was how rigid it was that there was, you know, there was, you know, I could only do things in particular ways. And, you know, maybe I had other ideas for services I wanted to do, or I thought, you know, clients needed more services or whatever it was. And I didn't like the fact that I was sort of put into this box and had to do it a particular way. And then, you know, I came to private practice, but of course, I'm not sure I realized my own rigidity because it was my own, right? I had an idea about, you know, the perfect way to deliver services, the perfect way to set up my business. And But that was rigid also, I think is the problem. And I don't know if that's making sense as I describe it to you, that that it's hard to see it because I think when it's your own idea, you don't notice that you're being inflexible about certain things, you know, that perhaps, you know, sometimes it can be something as, as simple as, you know, finding an office space. If you have an idea of what that office is going to look like and all the features that you want to have, you know, oftentimes when you go out to look for the office space, you can't find what you're looking for. Mm. And, you know, there's compromise, of course, that, that has to happen. And, and like I said, I mean, the office space obviously isn't the most important, you know, piece of our business, but it does matter. It's part of the overall experience that we want to provide for our clients. So anyway, I think, you know, I was just trying to, you know, point out that sometimes we kind of get into that rigid, you know, feeling of, well, if it can't be everything that I want it to be, then either maybe I shouldn't do it at all, or I'm very dissatisfied and unhappy, you know, with what I have to choose from because it's not the perfect space. Sharon, as you were talking, I I just had this random thought, which is, it almost seems like flexibility and self-compassion are like two of the antidotes to that sort of mindset. You got it. <laughs> You're already jumping ahead to the end, Melvin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really but, yeah, no, abs- no, that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, a lot of the perfectionist thinking is, like I said, it's that rigid, it's the all or nothing thinking, it's only yeah. seeing one way of doing things versus all those shades of gray and being able to see, I think, Partly it's being able to see that there's value in things, even if they're imperfect and they're still worth doing. And part of it is also being able to let go of some of the control. You know, that's the, you know, the other piece that, you know, it's sort of the ugly side of perfectionism. I think that sometimes we don't like to admit is that we can be a bit controlling, right? That's part of the rigidity as well, is that when, you know, we want it to be a specific way. And that, that's hard to accomplish because life just isn't, you know, going to go the way you want all of the time. And like you said, I mean, the, the key to dealing with that is, is being flexible and is part of that's the compromise. But I think it's a lot of it is the mindset that we have about it and recognizing that it doesn't have to be exactly the way we wanted it to be in order for it to work out. And I think also just that, I mean, so much of growing a business is a process too, right? It doesn't, you don't start out, you know, exactly where you want to be. You hopefully are slowly, little by little, improving your business as well. Yeah, I think um, even just being like fully transparent, I think about like my own business journey and how my mindset is very different now. So when I started STC in 2015, so was that? I do quick math here. I think about like my sort of mindset in 
the first year to now. And, and I think one big thing, and, and this is sort of like, and maybe this is where this is like a, a prelude to this question, which is what's like an overt way perfectionism shows up in private practice. And, and what I can share is like sort of my journey, which is, is that control element. Like the first several years, I felt this like just deep desire, like in order for me to be a successful business owner, I had to do everything, right? Mm-hmm. I could not give control over because why would I want to pay somebody to do something when I could just do it myself, right? Yes. And if I was completely honest, most people would not have even seen anything on the, like if they had just looked at me, but yeah. I was like struggling inside. I mean, just the amount of stress and the toll that it was taking. So I wanted to, I wanted to share that. So to ask that question, what have you noticed is kind of this, I guess the two-parter, what is an overt way perfectionism shows up in private practice and what's maybe like a covert or a subtle way that perfectionism shows up? Yeah, I think there's actually a lot of subtle ways, like you're mentioning, that a lot of it isn't visible to other people. Um, I think when we think about visible signs of perfectionism or the, that overt perfectionism, you know, I tend to think of somebody who's kind of like that classic type A person who's, you know, they're they're hardworking, they're organized, they're busy, they're always on the go, they're rigid, they're demanding, you know, they like order and they like things to be neat sometimes. They can unfortunately spend, you know, inordinate amount of times redoing things in order to literally try to make them perfect. So if somebody was, you know, always tweaking their website or spending, you know, many hours, you know, rewriting their blog post in order to get it perfect, things like that, I think would be something that we would say, those are sort of obvious signs of perfectionism. And I think, like I said, you know, probably there's more of the under the surface perfectionism we don't necessarily know that somebody is being really hard on themselves or they're being self-critical and feeling less than comparing themselves to others all of the time. As you mentioned, the difficulty delegating and accepting help, I think is a big one for a lot of us. And I will wholeheartedly agree that that is a struggle for me as well. Just like you said, it's that difficulty letting go of control. And for me, I definitely know that there's that little voice that that is saying, well, it'll be easier to just do it myself because then it will be done the way that I want it to be. <laughs> like that's definitely that perfectionist voice coming out, you know, feeling like, well, sure, I could hire somebody to do that, but they probably won't do it as well as I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> which really just means I'm being very rigid in wanting it a very particular way. And again, there's elements that of that that can be helpful. But I think when we, when we are unable to accept help or hire in experts to do certain pieces of our business, it's really not a, a smart business move at, at some point. The other things that I think often happen that are not noticeable are really just kind of what I call playing it safe, which is, you know, being afraid to try new things, being afraid to, you know, start something new could be, you know, a new group that you were interested in doing or, you know, a new project that you wanted to do, starting to do speaking or writing or something else. Sometimes we just limit ourselves, not necessarily even recognizing that behind that is, is that fear of failure and that perfectionist thinking that, 
well, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to not be good at this. I don't want to not be excellent at this. So, you know, the safest thing to do is to just not do it. So sometimes we actually don't start things or we procrastinate on things. But the other thing is sometimes we quit things prematurely. And I don't know how often that happens, but I imagine there are clinicians who start private practices and actually just don't follow through all of the way because that perfectionism really gets in the way that they feel so unsuccessful, you know, rather than being able to see it through and see that process and see, like I said, the mistakes as being a valuable part of it and being able to tolerate you know, the discomfort of not knowing what's going to happen. That's, that's a hard one for us as well, I think, is tolerating the unknown, right? As perfectionists, we really would like to know the outcome is going to be what we want it to be, right? <laughs> I need to know. And when you're in business for yourself, you know, it's a big gamble. Yeah, there's no guarantee, right? Right. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I think part of it is that we feel like it's all resting on our shoulders. Like we're, we are the business, you know, and that's true for most of us. We are our business. We are our brand. So, you know, the stakes are really high for us. Uh, Sharon, I, I was just, again, this is sort of just my own like introspection, but I feel like for me also related to this is I know that I didn't have like a business degree yes. and I didn't have the business training. And so here I am trying to build a business with this sort of overwhelming internal fear that I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Well, I was laughing because I think that's the vast majority of us that we go into business without any business training. And of course, you know, when we think of it logically, it's absurd to think like, how could I possibly know how to run a business without any training you know, any, any experience doing it. And yet we do. I think we start our private practices just assuming that, you know, we're smart people, we're hardworking people, and that's all true. But we need to set realistic expectations that, I mean, there are, you know, business degrees for a reason because there's a lot to learn, right? Mm -hmm. And so without that, we have to accept that there's going to be a lot of mistakes that happen as part of our learning process. And I, and I think to our credit, most of us do pretty well, you know, because we are hardworking and we are smart and we, we want to learn. But that's something that takes time. It's not something that we're going to just, you know, know after six months in business. Yeah. And I think that's what you just said is absolutely true. Because I, I don't know that I could have read another book that told me that <laughs> until I like actually went through and realized, you know what, every idea that you have is not going to work out. You right. know, you're going to send out a newsletter and there's going to be a typo, right? Mm -hmm. Or two or three. Yes. And maybe somebody will even email you back and point out the typo. And point it out. Oh, yes. I just had somebody do that on a blog post this week. Thank and you. And so, and I remember the first time like stuff like that happened, I just felt like, I felt so much shame to my core, you know, like, oh my God, you know, but I don't know. I'm all that to say, I feel like the more you jump in and just allow, the more grace I give to myself and yeah. say, you know what, I'm just as much as I can, as much as sort of this perfectionist in me allows for this to just have fun and to offer grace and to see like this is sort of like a fun experiment and enjoyable process. The building the business becomes more fun. And because what was happening, to be honest, honestly, for me, about two, I was about the first year and a half was like that creative energy, right? Like, yes, 
But then around two years, like it started becoming a chore, you know, and I was losing that because related to that, the perfectionism started kicking in and I felt like, man, I have to do it this way. People are doing this. What am I going to, you know, why am I not doing that? You know? Right. I'm, you know, as you're talking, I'm sort of thinking, you know, can you imagine if you didn't, you know, if you let the perfectionism win, I don't know that you would have started selling the couch at all. Or like you're saying, maybe you would have quit after a couple of years because it wasn't fun anymore. It was, you know, like you said, you're, you're sort of stuck in that comparison and always feeling like you have to do more and it's never good enough. And that's a real demotivating, you know, way of thinking about things that isn't fun. You can't relax and enjoy just the process of it when you have that kind of mindset. So I think so much of what you're saying is true for all of us is that we have to be able to, you know, give ourselves the grace and the self-compassion and really, you know, kind of love ourselves through all of those mistakes, recognizing that that it's okay. And then I think the other piece that, that I think is really helpful, and I imagine this has been really true for you with the podcast too, is that people don't expect you to be perfect. And I think they actually relate much better better to you when you're truly authentic, meaning you're making those mistakes. You know, sure, there are some people who do like to point point them out to us, you know, but most people, I think, will say, oh, you misspoke yourself there, or you had a typo, or even in our clinical practice, I've heard many therapists who get really down on themselves for things like making scheduling errors with their clients, and, you know, they didn't show up on time for the appointment or they schedule two clients at the same time or, you know, things like that that happen. Mm. And they're very self-critical feeling like this is terrible. (laughs) It's not ideal, certainly, but I think the vast majority of people are totally accepting. They understand that mistakes happen and they can connect with us as real people when they see that we're imperfect too. And like I said, I mean, most people are not expecting you to you know, be perfect all of the time. And I think in terms of, you know, even listening to a podcast or interacting with your therapist, you know, I want to talk to a real person. I don't want to, you know, talk to an automaton who's, (laughs) right, who I just can't relate to because they seem so perfect. So I think sometimes, you know, letting the imperfection show, which of course is inevitable, is, is actually an asset in our work as well. Right. And I think we just have to remember that we're not going to end up on the other extreme. We're not going to, you know, just let everything go and be making mistakes all over the place. You know, we're still going to have high standards, but we can accept that mistakes are going to happen. So that point right there is like so subtle, but I think that's a, a good reminder, right? Because naturally sort of how we're wired it's not rare is the situation where it is going to go to the other extreme, right? And, right, right. And maybe and that, that is yeah. sort of this irrational fear that some of us have, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and and I noticed this in talking with clients about, you know, other kinds of changes that they're interested in making too, is that sometimes when people, you know, are afraid of giving up, you know, again, what I would say in some ways is it's sort of a, a coping strategy that they've used. They, you know, they realize it's not very helpful anymore, but the idea of giving it up is scary because there is that fear that I'm going to swing so far in the other direction, which is, you know, I think as clinicians, we know it's very unlikely that, you know, people do not generally 
you know, go from perfectionism to not caring at all about their work, right? And not being organized and not being attentive to details. Usually we just are sort of moderating, you know, these behaviors, just dialing it back a little bit. And then we're in a good place with it because there are advantages to some of those perfectionist traits as long as we can, you know, rein them in a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sharon, I I wanted to ask you sort of like, just to kind of put a bow on things, what would you say are like the top three tips that clinicians can take away in order to work through perfectionism as private practitioners? All right. Well, we we talked about some of these already. Definitely the self-compassion piece, recognizing that it's hard to be a therapist, period. It is exhausting work. And on top of that, if you're running your own business, you are asking a lot of yourself. Um, so just keep that in mind as you're going through all of this, that we need to not, it's, it's more than the self-care. It's, it's the self-compassion piece too. Hmm. You definitely need to take good care of yourself, but you also have to recognize that it's hard and give yourself that extra, you know, TLC. I think a lot of it in terms of the way that we talk to ourselves is really key to it. One thing that we didn't mention that I think is another good sort of mantra or just mindset to have is the done is better than perfect attitude about things. I find that one really helpful because oftentimes as business owners, we have a lot of tasks that we need to check off and and simply we just need to get them done. And rarely do things need to be perfect. And that, that might be hard to hear for a lot of people because again, the fear gets in there and it, you know, it's telling us that if, you know, our billing isn't perfect, we're not going to get paid. Or if your notes aren't perfect, you're going to get sued. And again, I'm not saying like, don't attend to it at all, but those, you know, those are fear-based, you know, beliefs or, outcomes and they're unlikely to happen. So oftentimes it's more important to get the notes written than it is to, you know, that's, it's better to get the notes written than it is to not write them because you're, you know, so stuck on them needing to be perfect. So done is better than perfect is is a helpful one. We talked about asking for help or learning to delegate things already. I think that's that's probably key, you know, in, in really growing your business because it will get to a point where you can't do it all yourself or it's not a good use of your time for you to be doing administrative tasks. Yeah. And then we also talked about just the benefits of being more authentic and being authentic means being flawed. So those, I think we covered most of it. Yeah, sounds good. Those are all good ones. I wanted to leave our our last question, which is what's like a daily, and I said thing, it could be like (laughs) habit thing, you know, a clinician could do in order to just become more aware of perfectionism and how it plays out. Well, I am a huge fan of journaling. So I think that's a really helpful tool in being more aware of anything (laughs) that we're trying to be aware of or monitor so that would be my suggestion is is just taking even just like five minutes a day to just write down what's coming up for you. Um, and I think it, especially, you know, you could really look at some, you know, particular questions, you know, for yourself that target some of the perfectionism. But noticing where you're struggling in your business and trying to, you know, ask yourself things like, are my expectations realistic here? Am I being rigid or controlling in in some of my thinking, you know, and are there ways for me to be more compassionate with myself or more flexible, different ways for me to look at some of these situations? 
So I think there's a lot there that, that people can do in, in really probably a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. All good tips. Sharon, I'm so grateful for you. I know you have been busy with work and life. You actually published an awesome workbook that uh, I got to play a small part of, which I'm, I'm so grateful for you for. Would you mind just telling us a little bit more about that workbook and where we can find it? Absolutely. Thank you. And I absolutely appreciate you writing an endorsement for the book. So thank you for that. The book is called The CBT Workbook for Perfectionism. So as the title says, it is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. There are also a good number of exercises that pull in the self-compassion and some mindfulness as well, as I have really found that that combination of approaches to be really helpful for it. And it is a workbook, so there are lots of exercises that people can do right in the book to really learn how to think about things differently and let go of some of those perfectionist behaviors as well. And you can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or pretty much any, you know, online real retailer should have it. Perfect. I'll definitely put a link to it on Amazon for you guys, which you guys can find on the show notes page over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 189. Sharon, thank you again for doing this. I feel like this is a topic we could probably spend hours and hours on. I don't know. I just I enjoy conversations like this because I feel like as I evolve as a business owner, I think, I don't know, one of the biggest things I'm learning is just having a lot of self-compassion and, and humility with all of this, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I hope it really resonated with folks. Like I said, I, I found it, it found it pretty interesting to think about the the connection between perfectionism and running a private practice. So I'll I'll definitely be interested to hear what the listeners have to to say and what their experiences are with this. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely make a, a nice post here in the community and and carry that conversation forward. Sharon, where can we learn more about you and the good work you're doing in the world? Sure. My website is livewellwithsharonmartin.com. Perfect. Sharon, thank you again. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Thank you. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sharon. And especially if perfectionism is something that's a constant companion in your life as a business owner. I hope that today's podcast session has just given you new insight and a a new way of looking at things. I know that it has for me. And one of the things that I actually have decided to do is I'm actually going to work through that that workbook that that Sharon created, which again is the CBT workbook on perfectionism. I feel like it's perfectionism is really just this constant companion, especially in moments of stress. It really rears its ugly head, and I, I constantly feel like I have to continue to work and uh, so that it doesn't affect business decisions and life decisions and affect my mood and all of those different things. Sharon mentioned a number of resources and also the link to the book, which you can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 189. And also Sharon writes a lot. I mean, she's huge in the perfectionism blogging space. And recently she actually did a live Q&A with STC directory members all about blogging and like how to find blogging inspiration, how, what to do in this modern age when it comes to blogging, how to write content that speaks to our ideal clients. It was just such a wonderfully enriching session. If you're an STC directory member, um, it's inside the learning library for you. So be sure to check it out. If you're not a member and you just want to learn more about the directory, you can learn more over at selling the couch dot com forward slash directory. It's super reasonably priced. And uh, and my hope is that it just one allows us to better connect with each other while 
helping us to learn and support one another. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great and wonderful rest of your day, okay? Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.